Hi, I'm Tom Melville. Today I'd like to introduce you to a podcast by my colleagues at the Canberra Times. Talk of the Times is a weekly podcast in which journalists Alex Crow and Steve Evans chat with reporters and special guests about what's happening in the news. The podcast dissects the news from Canberra and beyond, including politics, crime, court and more. Talk with the Times can be found wherever you get your podcasts. In celebration of International Women's Day, Talk of the Times spoke with an amazing woman. She's one of the country's top academics, but she started from as low as you can go. Liz Allen was homeless at the age of 16, living out of a garbage bag. But having a baby at the age of 17 changed her life. She'll tell you how. I'm Alex Crow. And I'm Steve Evans, and this is Talk of the Times. Monday is International Women's Day, and with no shortage of strong, powerful women here in Canberra, well, except for in Parliament, where we most need them, it's not been difficult finding inspiring women to celebrate. Today we're speaking to one such woman, Dr Liz Allen. She's an Australian National University demographer and social researcher. Firstly, Liz, tell me how you got here Not the conventional easy ride. (laughs) That's probably a really good description of me generally, is someone who is unconventional. And I think formerly I would have described myself probably not as proudly with the term of being unconventional. I probably wouldn't have been as proud as saying that out loud, I guess. But I've come to realise that it's important for people like me to to use the platform that we are gifted with to talk about such things as as being a bit of a deviant and coming from a, a difficult background. And I, you know, I'm very proud that I'm lucky to be where I am today. Being an employee of, of such a prestigious place and holding a PhD, you would not have predicted that for what I looked like on paper at birth. Tell me about that moment where you had a fork in the road mm. and you chose the right one. So I was born into a kind of average family, a large family though, a very large family. I experienced um, sexual abuse um, uh, at, at school, as a primary school age child, institutional abuse. It was a it was a Catholic um, school, and I told my family what had happened, and they kind of it just went into protection mode of protecting the perpetrator, and that included the family protecting the perpetrator, and I was I was seen as a problem, and so I got a very clear image in my mind at that point that I was a problem. At the age of 13, I was put into an institution. It was a really difficult time. Eight days after my 16th birthday, I was legal, and my parents kicked me out. They called the police, and they had the police come and remove me from the property. So off I went with a bag, a garbage bag of my property in the back of a paddy wagon, and that was, that was the start of homelessness for me. And that plastic bag, that garbage bag, became... I'm going to get emotional. But that garbage bag became a symbol of my life. You know, it was there, ready to go. At short notice, it became everything, my world. And home for me was wherever that hairbrush was, my little wooden hairbrush. You know, I I quickly realised that how lonely the world was. 
I had no one. And I wanted so much to belong. I wanted a family. So I had, at the age of 17, I had my first child. And you held that child, Mm. and that made you realise something. I had a bit of a near-death experience in labour, and I, I had an adverse reaction to the laughing gas and almost died. And I, and I came to after some intervention and popped the baby out quite quickly and held this tiny little thing in my arms. And I remember looking down at her and thinking, I can either die in the gutter with a needle in my arm or I can fix this. I can set my life on a different course. That you've been sleeping rough for a while and how do you get from that position to here in Canberra at the ANU? A whole heap of luck and I'll be very honest about that and probably brutal in my honesty is that we like to think we are where we are today as a result of hard work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a great deal more than hard work that line if you have a go you get a go. There are a lot of people having a, a, a go at all manner of things and not getting a go or wanting a go. So opportunities are the important thing here. I was lucky that opportunities presented themselves and and I took advantage. For me, it was education. Education was my passport out. Mm -hmm. I also am a very stubborn and um, uh, annoyingly kind of (laughs) staunch kind of person and I didn't want the haters to win. Mm -hmm. I wanted to flip the middle finger, my FU finger, and say that to the world. I wanted to show people that I wasn't what they thought of me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't gutter trash. Mm -hmm. The world had put me there and I wanted to, I wanted something more. I hadn't finished high school. I went to the end of year seven and that was it for me until I had my daughter. And that was the moment I thought, I'm going to go to TAFE. So I did, Mount Druitt TAFE. So then I was, after finishing Year 10 and Year 12 and being exposed to the wonderful educators at TAFE, I realised that I wasn't a problem and there were lots more people like me that needed opportunities, needed a go at things. Their lot in life was crap. And then I started, I went to university, again, lucky. I think that fire in my belly that to kind of get back at the haters, to prove the haters wrong, was what drove me quite a bit. And I don't like being told that I'm, I'm not good enough or that, that, that I can't do something, so I kind of prove them wrong. So at university, it was hard. It was really hard. Two hours to get to university from where I was living. And I don't think people at the university appreciated or could quite understand people like me. I spoke differently, I was a yobbo, I wore op shop clothes, I didn't fit in, I looked different, I sounded different and I didn't have friends. Mm -hmm. It was difficult also because I had very little money. I couldn't pay for the resources, I couldn't fit in and have lunch, I couldn't do activities like them and every day I was hungry because I made the decision every day to go, go to university because the choice was do I eat do I, do I pay for the transport to get to university? And the decision was pretty easy. But I, as I said, I was pretty hungry most of the day. But it made me realise that, again, 
It was me against the world, and this kind of class system existed. You finally mentioned that word class, mm. and we're talking about International Women's Day. So where do class, that unfashionable word, and women fit into mm. your demography, because you are a demographer, yes. a student, a researcher, a lecturer in populations and society? Mm. I think if you talk to many Australians, they will tell you that it's a fair go for all in this place doesn't matter what color you are doesn't matter what gender you are doesn't matter if you're disabled or whatever you have a fair shot at life the reality is that that's not the situation Australia does have a class system and I think what's so dangerous about what exists in Australia is that it's hidden whatever the socio-economic circumstances of your birth likely determines the rest of your life outcomes. We don't have a lot of social mobility in Australia, which means that the circumstances of your birth stays. It sticks to you. And as I describe it at university, I, I spoke my class, my, you know, my yobbo accent, what I look like. It was very visible. Where does it fit in demography? I think... A lot of what we do as academics is led by our lived experience and a lot of researchers are from very privileged backgrounds and I'm very um, cognizant of the fact that I have a great responsibility in being able to empower the disadvantaged voices in my research and women, well, women and demography... Demography puts women at the centre of a lot of population dynamics by sheer fact that women are mothers or capable of being mothers if they are biologically capable. Our focus is on seeing women as the future of the population but also being the problem if they're being a barrier to that. And so what that means is that women kind of, and we see this in society, it's reflected in, is that women do all manner of things to keep this place going, our economy. Through feminism, we've been told that women can have it all, we can be it all, if we want it all. But if we want it all, we have to bloody well do it all. And that's a massive problem. Women, we have to do paid work and juggle the kids and, and juggle the housework. What's left? You know, it's... Um, so it's great that more women are being heralded as a great economic potential in labour force participation rates, but we're not keeping step with the realities of lives. So in the case where a couple are both employed full-time, male and female, um, they're both full-time, a woman is still more likely to do more of or the bulk share of caring and household duties. So it's putting a lot of burden on women at the moment. So we do need to see gender equality addressed in an earnest way through policy and practice, and workplaces have, have a major role here because gender equality is not just elevating women. It works for everybody. Gender equality benefits all people. Workplace practices can allow men to be fathers and the fathers they want to be. The reality is that men still can't gain part-time status as, as often as women. 
And if we can correct that, it means that we're sharing that load and it's more equal for all. Liz Allen, I know we're not advocating for having a baby to fix your life, but I'm really glad that you did. And thank you very much for speaking to us. And thank you all for listening to this week's Talk of the Times. Search Talk of the Times in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.